Welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Sean McKenna. It's not breaking news that Japan is an aging society. We've done several podcast episodes in which we talk about the growing population. What is new are some of the unforeseen angles on it. So, how does an aging society affect rural towns, politics, or healthcare, say? Today, we're looking at how food consumption is being affected as the nation gets older. And my colleague, Alex KT Martin, is here to talk with us about the opportunities that businesses are jumping on to cater to this new reality and some of the problems that Japanese society faces as a result. First of all, apologies if you hear some congestion on my part. I'm just getting over a cold. Alex, can you tell us who Setsuko Yoshizumi is? Sure.、Uh, she's a woman I spoke to recently. She's 83 years old. She loves to cook. And she lives in Yamagata Prefecture with her husband.、Hmm. Um, she told me he's a bit of a picky eater, but that doesn't stop her from cooking three meals a day for the both of them. Okay. So she's like the typical Japanese obachan. Right. This summer, however,、uh, her husband broke his leg and he had to be hospitalized and he's still in a rehab center. Oh, no. Sorry to hear that. He is recovering,、um, and Yoshizumi san visits him、uh, quite often, but his absence has really disrupted her routine. In what way? I mean, she says she has to go out、uh, to the center to see him、uh, frequently.、Uh, so she's traveling more.、Um, and also, remember this summer, it was really hot. It was actually the most hottest summer、uh, Japan has ever experienced, I think. Yeah. So that's very taxing for an 83 year old lady. Right. All things combined, I think she sort of lost the,、uh, the appetite or energy to sort of cook meals for herself. Okay. So sticking to this kind of like routine of cooking three times a day, that's out of the picture now. That's correct. She told me that she. Can't eat an entire cabbage on her own. Right. Yeah. However, she did tell me that、uh, while she's not able to cook as much as she wants to,、uh, she's also resorted to、uh, relying on these retort pouch meals you get at convenience stores and supermarkets. Okay, so retort pouch meals, these are the things that you take when you go camping, right? Yeah, or maybe the army. Right. They're in these、uh, silver plastic pouches, I guess. Okay. And they contain, you know, curries, stews, maybe Chinese stir fry dishes, and other ready to eat meals. And you put them in a pot of boiling water for five minutes or three minutes or the microwave, and、uh, they're done. Nice and simple. Yeah. She also eats、uh, pre cut packaged vegetables. You might have seen them、uh, selling in supermarkets and convenience stores、mm-hmm. and、uh, health conscious bento box lunches. It's all ready to eat kind of stuff and servings for one. Actually, I always thought that Japan was abundant in these kinds of single serving, ready to eat meals because people work late and you know, they can't afford to put the time into cooking. Yeah, well, they were always popular among、uh, young salarymen, for example,、mm. uh, who maybe didn't never learn to cook because they were spoiled by their mothers.、Right. I'm just joking. I think statistically, a lot of Japanese men cook now. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the modern Japanese man is more of a cook. <laughs> I think so, at least. Well, anyway, the meal preparation infrastructure is there. And、uh, so I'm guessing that you know, someone like Yoshizumi san can just take advantage of that. Right. And actually, that's created this new important demographic older people who maybe aren't able to cook in the same way they used to, relying on these ready to eat meals. This in the country with the world's oldest population.、Mm. Along with that, there are also a growing number of one person households, so demand for nutritious, single serving meals is soaring. However, Japan's overall caloric energy intake is decreasing. I'm really interested in how、uh, the older population of Japan is changing the country in many ways, in many socioeconomic ways. And that's how I discovered that、uh, caloric intake statistic.、Hmm. 
So the overall average per capita intake of the population, um, this is basically uh, the amount of calories you consume per day. This slipped slightly from 1,911 calories in 2007 to 1,907 calories in 2017. That's a small dip, right? It's yeah. like, oh, it's like almost non-existent, you right, might four think. Calories right, there. right. And oh, by the way, this is from the Agricultural Ministry. However, what, what's more interesting is uh, the, the ministry has this uh, organization called the Policy Research Institute. Mm. And they believe that the figure could fall to around 1,648 calories per day by 2050. So that's a pretty significant drop. Mm. And for comparison, the average intake for countries like the United States, Canada, and some countries in Europe is often above 3,000 calories per day. Mm. This also has to do with diet, but I'm more focused on the fact that Japan's intake is on the decline. Right, okay. So you wrote about this in a piece titled Downsizing Dinner, and you're saying that because of this changing demographic, so the older, increasingly single, Japan as a whole is consuming less food. Right. And these demographic changes are affecting everything from businesses uh, who are trying to offer smaller options when it comes to meals to grocery stores needing to go mobile because a lot of these elderly shoppers are in areas that are losing population right in the countryside. Mm -hmm. And therefore, supermarkets are moving out of towns they live in. So they're, you know, they're losing access to daily necessities. And there's a lot of knock-on effects, uh, you know, revolving around this. Um, And older consumers uh, in general, they're just playing this big part in the decisions that businesses are making right now. Mm. Last month, the government released a report saying that the number of uh, people aged 80 and over for the first time surpassed 10% of the population. Right. So to put that another way, one in 10 people in Japan is 80 or over. Yes. And those that are 65 and older, which is how we define elderly in Japan, is 29.1%. And that's another record high. And I'm going to go nuts on statistics here just for a second. But just to drive home the fact that Japan is an aging nation, last year the number of newborns in Japan fell below 800,000 for the first time since record-keeping began in 1899, Hmm. um, while the number of deaths also hit a record high. So this aging population is a considerable reason for the decrease in food consumption. Right. And when you think about it, it's a, it's a natural phenomenon, right? I mean, if the portion of the elderly increases in your population, naturally, they're not going to be eating as much as your, I don't know, average 20-something. Right. right. So this is a phenomenon. I mean, it's happening in Japan, but I, I, I'm happening in other countries um, that are seeing, you know, long-term population decline. Mm. And there's a market research firm called Intage, and uh, they recently released a report They phrase it like this. As the population declines, so too will the number of stomachs to fill. People also tend to eat less as they get older, meaning we can expect the market related to food and beverages to shrink as the nation grades. So Alex, you decided to look into this trend towards shrinking portions, and that leads you to the most Japanese of fast food franchises, Domino's Pizza. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you haven't had Japanese food until you've had a potato pizza or the uh, Hokkaido three cheese special. (laughs) But seriously, where does Domino's come into all this? Well, Domino's is actually Japan's largest pizza delivery chain. Um, There are others like Pizza Hut or uh, Pizzala Mm -hmm. and other smaller ones. But in terms of market share, they're the largest. Right. And in February this year, they introduced a small seven-inch pizza uh, with two side dishes for a pretty reasonable price. I think it was... A little bit like a thousand yen or a thousand two hundred yen, depending on uh, what combo you order. Okay. And uh, 
Pizza is typically the kind of meal you share among family and friends, right? Yeah, yeah. I associate it with parties and uh, like stress eating, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, or in my case, uh, maybe after a night out drinking pretty heavily, <laughs> okay. I, I'd go for like, like an entire pizza. <laughs> then I'll feel really bad. Mm. But anyway, um, it is healthier, obviously, right? That you don't order one of those big high calorie pizzas mm. you want the smaller pizza that is focused towards a single consumer mm. and domino's strategy is deliberate in that sense uh, i spoke to the ceo martin stinks and he told me that the single consumer is a demographic that isn't just growing in japan but it's growing all over the world he also said that his team took some inspiration from the japanese bento you know those bento boxes because uh, they're made for one person so why not create a pizza bento in effect that makes sense. I mean, I remember personal pan pizzas from back in Canada, but I haven't really seen them in Japan, I guess. Yeah, um, but the concept is doing quite well. Uh, I heard that more than 2 million orders have been made, pl- have been placed as of July 15th. And uh, they're also offering uh, pizza rice bowls and pizza sandwiches. And these also target single consumers, or more accurately, I should say, uh, consumers looking for a single serving meal. Hmm. So they've got the strategy down. Um, they know what they're doing. And Stinks told me that uh, now they're focused on trying to find new ways to connect with the uh, older customer. He said that many of those who are 65 or older, they mostly come into the physical stores at lunch. So they don't use the app. So that's their next challenge. Right. So that's how we're seeing this graying, increasingly single demographic trend play out at one fast food joint. But we can't eat out all the time, right? No. So the uh, change in servings is more apparently at your local supermarket. And uh, this is where the emphasis on health comes in. Um, you often hear about how the Japanese are really healthy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're healthy eaters. And that's down to a concept with uh, a word we call washoku, which uh, literally means Japanese food. So the me- these meals are high in protein and nutrients, but low in sugar and uh, calories. And the catch is that they're often pretty time consuming to prepare. They take a lot of work. Mm. I spoke to uh, Yuji Oura, who is a uh, professor at the Tokyo University of Agriculture and is an expert on eating behaviors of consumers. And he said that the healthiest the collective Japanese diet ever was, was in 1980. Mm. Um, That's when this thing called the PFC balance was at its most ideal. Okay, so what does PFC stand for? Protein, fat, and carbohydrates. And the ideal balance apparently is 15% protein, 25% fat, and 60% carbs. Uh, Oda-san also noted that 1980 was also around the time the Japanese food became trendy overseas. There was a big Japanese food boom, and this is about the time that really started exploding. Yeah, that's kind of like a status symbol for like those rich yuppies who would work on Wall Street. So if you imagine the women with the big shoulder pads and the guys in suits with slicked back hair, like it's total 80s image. Right. I hope some of our listeners can relate to that, the younger ones, but let's see. Anyway, um, <laughs> So after the uh, asset price bubble uh, burst in the early 1990s, uh, the economy tanked and Japanese families started looking for cheaper and uh, easy to prepare alternatives. So dinners began to rely more on meat and fried foods with less rice and veggies. And that probably had a, you know, was the reason behind an uptick in calories consumed. Mm. But as those people are aging now, they're wanting to eat more nutritionally again. Uh, Oda says people today are more informed about what they're eating. Uh, they're most, more health conscious and they have less time to cook. So the kinds of ready-to-eat foods that uh, older Japanese people like Yoshizumi-san are consuming are healthier and in line with the recommended serving sizes. So when you're strolling the aisles of the supermarket, I guess you're more likely to see these kinds of healthier single-serving foods, right? Right. Well, supermarkets and convenience stores, I, sh- I should say. Mm, yeah. Um, 
So a Japanese supermarket's commercial sphere uh, in urban settings, this is, mm -hmm. not in the countryside, this typically covers a one-kilometer radius, apparently. This is according to Oura-san, the professor. Right. Um, so it stocks its shelves accordingly, right? So what most supermarkets are seeing as a result of this uh, increase in single-person households is smaller packages of goods. Uh, this is meat, fish, fruit, vegetables, you know, whatever. You also see these packaged salads that uh, I think Yoshizumi-san likes to eat. Mm. These come in small packages of sliced cabbage or yeah, uh, maybe yeah. some daikon you just add some dressing on it at your home and you have a small salad for yourself right yeah, yeah. and uh, i think these options are more pronounced in convenience stores if you go into them you see these really small sized uh, sort of hors d'oeuvres perhaps like you know uh sliced uh, octopus and uh broccoli marinated in some sauce oh, yeah, or what yeah, yeah, you yeah, see yeah, those yeah. like yeah, yeah it's yeah. not like yeah it's not a traditional salad mm -hmm. it's it's more like a mm -hmm. vegetable side right they're all sort of like, you know, the very small portion and essentially they're for consumers who come in, maybe they, they'll buy, buy a small salad, maybe they'll buy like, you know, a package of gyoza, maybe like a small sort of rice dish and then they can just take it back home and stick it in the microwave and they have like a, a decent dinner, right? Yeah, I'll tend to like buy some of those when I'm in a pinch as well, especially if I've been working late on this podcast. <laughs> right. And we can discuss this later, but the catch is that, you know, these small portions aren't that cheap. Right. So... Let's put a pin in that, but you mentioned this earlier that more people in Japan are now living on their own, yeah? Yes, um, there's a surge in single-person households. And behind that, you know, there's various phenomenon uh, responsible for this trend. Uh, for example, the number of marriages in Japan um, is also falling. Mm. Uh, number of newborns falling. Also, you know, once you get old, um, a lot of uh, couples, one of them die off. Mm -hmm. um, I think uh, statistically, uh, women tend to live longer uh, than men, um, and this is the same in Japan. So a lot, a lot of the cases you'll have, you know, old couples losing their partner and they're on their own. Right. So all combined, um, this is, you know, a huge phenomenon, like a single-person household phenomenon that's really uh, all over Japan right now. And mm -hmm. according to stats, um, 30% of all food expenditures by 2035 will come down to one-person households. Mm. And also the ratio of households headed by a person of the age 65 or older is also likely to top 40% by the same year. Mm. So there's also this recent trend towards shrinkflation. So as companies decrease the amount of, say, you buy a bag of potato chips and the actual you know amount of potato chips in the bag is less, but they keep the bag at the same price, that's what shrinkflation is. Um, in this case, it seems like the servings are getting smaller, but to bring it back to prices, are the prices staying the same or are they going down or? So I'm sure you've noticed, you know, if you walk into your local supermarket or your convenience store or grocery store or whatever, that uh, they're getting expensive, right? Yeah, so, like so individual items. Individual items are getting expensive. Um, that's because of inflation. At the same time, uh, portions are getting smaller. So we have shrinkflation and inflation happening at the same time. Mm. And this probably is due for another totally different podcast. But the problem is the Japanese wage or wages in Japan hasn't been increasing. So what you're seeing is, you know, you're getting paid pay the same amount. But the prices are going up and you're getting less. Right. And this is a major problem that I think the government is somehow trying to address. So now imagine you're over the age of 65 and on a fixed pension that's not going to go up. You're in a pretty dire situation. Alex, just before the break, we were getting into this new type of approach by Domino's and likely other restaurants, as well as companies in the food industry that are reacting to a shrinking, aging population that is increasingly single. 
I think we're conveying this to our listeners largely as a possible business opportunity, but what are the challenges that are being posed, maybe not even in terms of business, but societal issues connected to it? Well, if you're living in a city like Tokyo, Osaka, even smaller cities, you're going to have access to supermarkets and convenience stores, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, And convenience stores in Japan are sometimes like mini supermarkets. But if you're living in the countryside, uh, which many elderly people uh, do, um, then you're facing the additional problem of depopulation as uh, younger people move to bigger cities. That means supermarkets and convenience stores will be opening fewer stores in your town or village. And so what do you do? Uh, Maybe you can drive to another town to do your shopping, ask your son or daughter to do your shopping for you. Um, But the thing is, you know, older people, if they're living on their own, that kind of options are limited. Um, They're less likely to drive. A lot of folks now, they return their driving licenses after they reach a certain age Mm -hmm. so that they don't have accidents and things like that. So uh, Japan has a growing issue over people who are unable to access the daily necessities that they need. Um, And in in the piece that I wrote, we call those people shopping refugees. That's kaimono naming in Japanese. Mm. Um, Professor Oura said that because of Japan's uh, traditionally patriarchal values, Many men who are older than 65, they uh, never learned how to cook for themselves properly. Mm. And he said that he has spoken to some men who were surviving on a piece of bread or, uh, you know, uh, one cup ramen per day. Oh, right. Have there been any initiatives to try and address that problem? Yeah. Uh, I spoke to Naomi Ogawa. Uh, she's a PR rep of uh, Tokushimaru, which is a, a subsidiary of the uh, Tokyo-based vegetable delivery service called uh, Oishix Radaichi. Hmm. This company, Tokushimaru, they now operate over uh, 1,100 uh, K-trucks. K-trucks are those smaller trucks yep. in all 47 prefectures of Japan. And the typical truck will serve around 150 customers by uh, dropping by their homes maybe three times a week. Hmm. That sounds like kind of many of the delivery services that sprung up during the pandemic though, right? Yeah, but not quite. Um, there are food services where you place an order for the week and uh, then someone comes and delivers it to you for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done those myself. Right. However, uh, some of the older people in need of this service may have forgotten to place an order for the week um, or the, by the time they receive the food, they need something different. Um, or, you know, there are bento services, uh, like healthy bento services. But uh, Ogawa-san told me, you know, some old people just get bored of the same taste. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So Tokushimaru is a pretty interesting business. Uh, it's a franchise model. So each uh, the operator or the owner of each K-truck is a franchisee. Uh-huh. They team up with the local supermarket in their neighborhood or town or region that they want to operate in. And uh, before they launch their business, though, they spend about two months. They go around each household in the area that they want to operate in, and they ask about uh, family structures, for example, um, whether there's an old person uh, in the family or if it's like a single-person household. And Tokushimaru's business model is primarily catered toward uh, older people. Right? right. So they're basically doing customer research. Exactly. Yeah. And they look for people who want frequent delivery services, typically three times a week. Mm. Because, you know, it is a business. um, The owners need to make some money too, obviously. Uh And they get paid by royalties from uh, the supermarket they uh, team up with. So after they do that, they typically, they gather around 150 clients, as I mentioned before, and they make deliveries around three times a week. And it's basically, imagine like a small truck filled with uh, maybe around 400 items from a grocery or supermarket, vegetables, fresh fruits, uh, meat, Mm. milk, uh, eggs, snacks, whatnot. And uh, they come around your houses and you go shopping. Right. So it's like a grocery pop-up. Right. And it's important because um, according to Ogawa-san, the PR rep of Tokushimaru, she said that, uh, yeah, it's so easy to order stuff now. You can almost buy anything online, right? Even fresh food and uh, drinks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But the actual 
act of buying something, that's a stimulant. You know, it's stimulating to actually go and pick your own food and what you want to buy. And this is what they can offer. So they can just come by right in front of your doorstep and old people can come out and they can choose for themselves what they want to buy. So if you feel like, uh, you know, I feel like an apple right now, then you know that this truck is going to come by and then you can kind of satisfy that craving. You don't right. have to plan in advance. Basically. Exactly. Okay. It's more sort of a sense of freedom, I think, for the consumer. Right. Okay. And interestingly, uh, the demand isn't just limited to the residents of the countryside. Um, this is a, sort of a relatively old stat, but uh, according to the Agriculture Ministry, in 2015, um, there were over uh, 8 million people whose homes were uh, over 500 meters away from a grocery store, a supermarket, or a convenience store, right. and who didn't own or could not drive a car. Okay. But among these people, 60% lived in uh, urban areas. Right. So Ogawa-san told me that uh, Tokushimaru actually operates in Shinjuku, which, as you know, is a very densely populated area, um, and catering to these old folks who, let's say there's a supermarket 100 meters away from uh, his or her apartment. They don't have the energy um, to actually make the trip across the uh, street, perhaps, um, mm. buying things and bring it back to, back to their home. Like hauling all the bags. Right, home. right. Yeah. So Tokushimaru would just ride up to their uh, doorstep, maybe park the car by the curb and uh, have them come out. And it's only like five meters from their uh, entrance or something. Okay, so, I mean, Shinjuku is actually a very urban, uh, packed, like, you know, very dense neighborhood. Um, so you're saying that the what the cars or the trucks park outside of the buildings and then yes. they do come down from their apartments to do the shopping? That's correct. Okay. And, and I heard that, you know, so this is a franchise business, so I think each owner operates on their own style, right? Uh-huh. So I hear some people are, you know, they're kind and they would actually bring up the grocery to their client's home oh, okay. if, 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 if she, he or she's having a very hard time, you know, bringing them up, hauling them up. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, I, I was listening to this thing about Tokushimaru and how they're actually operating more and more in the cities. And I feel like, you know, this might be one phenomenon that we're going to see expanding even more in the coming years. I mean, at some point, the old uh, population demographic is, is going to peak out. Uh -huh. um, this is going to be in the next you know, few decades or so. But until then, the ratio is going to continue to expand, right? And uh, even though there are supermarkets and convenience stores everywhere in the city, there are going to be people who are not, not even able to make that trip. So perhaps this kind of like, you know, door-to-door -door sort of supermarket business could be something that we'll be seeing more of in the future. Right. I have a question. So if I'm walking down the street in Shinjuku and I see one of these uh, K-trucks selling food, can I just go up to it and buy something? Yes. Oh, okay. It's basically just a moving supermarket, um, and they do choose their items based on their uh, clientele. Right. However, um, yeah, you can just go up, and if you want, I don't know, a carton of milk, you can buy one. However, you got to remember that it's slightly more expensive than uh, the retail price at supermarkets. Okay. I think on average about 20 yen. Yeah. Um, because they're making the extra step to deliver them in front of people's homes. Right, gotcha. So the final challenge in terms of Japanese society with this uh, demographic is the uh, single household element, right? Mm. The government put out a paper in 2018 that said around 11% of respondents were eating on their own almost every day, while another 4.3% said they were eating alone four to five days a week. Mm. Combined, those numbers are up about 5% from 2011. I'm sure the pandemic didn't help with that either, right? No, not likely. Um, so I spoke to an associate professor at uh, Osaka University, uh, Ms. Yumi Kimura. Uh, and she is looking less at the nutritional intake of the elderly in Japan and more on the frequency of eating mm. to see if she can get a sense as, uh, as to how it affects overall health in old age. She said that what people eat isn't the only factor in food health, but with whom they eat. Right. So I'm guessing that it might be better to eat in groups. 
Yeah, and I think it's a no-brainer. Um, obviously, you know, rather than staring at your TV every every day and eating on your own, it's yeah. probably better to actually share a meal with someone else. Um, but the big issue among the elderly in Japan is that, uh, and it has been making news in the U.S. Uh, as well, I think, in recently, is uh, social isolation and loneliness. Yeah. Right. And a number of health issues have been connected to that, including poor nutrition, uh, cardiovascular disease, reduced cognition, uh, poor mental health, and even Alzheimer's. Right. So what exactly does eating alone entail? So you had mentioned TV before, but, you know, do you get some kind of benefit from that? Or could you conceivably eat with people online, maybe? Remember we had these Zoom drinking parties during the pandemic? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and how did it feel? I, did, I didn't like them. <laughs> okay. Well, I liked them for the first two or three times. And right. Then I sort of got, you know, bored. Yeah. So Kimura-san and her group, um, they tried an experiment where she got around four older women who all usually eat dinner alone and connected them on the messaging app line. And she encouraged them to post photos of their meals to each other. And uh, the woman would sort of all interact and send emoji hearts and compliment one another's meals and sort of, uh, you know, have a nice sort of homey chat group. Right. So this is like the old posting photos of our meals thing. I mean, like, I'd really love it if social media could go back to those days, consider what we have now. But um, did the line experiment work? Did the women feel less lonely? To a certain extent, uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Kimuna-san says that uh, while the texts were able to alleviate some of the loneliness that people were feeling, Mm. um, she's still worried about the decline in uh, oral functions um, that may come with not being able to discuss your day over dinner. Okay, so for example... Like moving your mouth is really important, right? I mean, not just eating food, but uh-huh. but the fact that we are actually having a conversation like right now. Producing language. We use all sorts of muscles in, a, in our mouth and, you know, elsewhere in our face and whatnot. I'm not an expert, so I'm just sort of uh, speculating here. But <laughs> yeah. apparently this is, you know, having a conversation and talking to people on a regular basis is really important to sort of keep your oral functions intact, especially for older people. Right. So I guess discussing your day over dinner is the way to go. Okay, that's something to chew on. Alex, thanks for coming on Deep Dive. Thanks, Sean. Thanks again to Alex for coming on this week's show. He's covered Japan's aging population a lot this year, so for more of his work, take a look at the links in the show notes. Elsewhere in the news, while we were away on our two-week break, Hamas launched a devastating attack on parts of Israel on October 7th, which led to Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu declaring war on the group and launching retaliatory strikes. According to reports on the crisis at the time of our recording, the death toll from the fighting has surpassed 4,000 people on both sides, with thousands more missing, displaced, and injured. Here's what's happening on the Japan side so far. Japanese Foreign Minister Yoko Kamikawa told her Israeli counterpart on October 12th that the terror attacks by Hamas cannot be justified for any reason and that Tokyo resolutely condemns the conduct. On Friday the 13th, the respective ambassadors of Israel and Palestine to Japan held back-to-back news conferences at the Foreign Correspondents Club of Japan, detailing a bloody week of war. Speaking on the attacks, Ambassador Gilad Cohen of Israel said, This is, for us, our 9-11, while Palestinian envoy Walid Sayam characterized the retaliation from Israel into Gaza as a genocide of the 21st century. A flight chartered by the Japanese government evacuating eight Japanese nationals from Israel arrived in Dubai on Saturday, while a separate South Korean military flight ferrying 51 Japanese citizens from Israel arrived in South Korea. That same day, a Japanese Self-Defense Forces aircraft was sent to its base in Djibouti to prepare for the possibility of airlifting additional Japanese nationals from the region. 
On Wednesday, Foreign Minister Kamikawa said she had asked her Iranian counterpart to, quote, play a role in diffusing the conflict during a phone conversation a day prior. She also told a news conference earlier in the day that Japan will provide $10 million, about 1.5 billion yen, in aid for civilians in the Hamas-ruled Gaza Strip to deal with the humanitarian crisis. For more of our coverage on the Israel-Hamas war and on Japan's response, please visit japantimes.co.jp. Deep Dive is produced by Dave Cortez, our outgoing track is by Oscar Boyd, and our theme music is by Japanese musician 4L. I'm Sean McKenna. Potsukare-sama. Potsukare-sama.